Well, good morning. It is great to be back here at Heritage Baptist Church and uh, excited to see what God will do. I was uh, overwhelmed, to be honest, when Brother Fong got a hold of me in September and uh, asked me to come and uh, fill the pulpit for him. I'm not sure I could fill it appropriately, but uh, just asking the Lord for uh, his messages. And almost immediately, God put something on my mind uh, for this morning and tonight. And sort of a mini-series for you all tonight, uh, for today. And so I, uh, t it's going to be, I'll just give you the topic, and then I'm going to talk about tonight for a quick second. But it's going to be on the topic of trials. And uh, uh, God just put on my heart, tonight I'll be giving the miraculous story of my brother Wayne. Um, and uh, the healing of him, he's the only living survivor in the world of his type of brain tumor. So you don't want to miss that, a special treat uh, tonight and really encouraging you from the, uh, from the Lord. Tonight's message will be entitled, Jesus is with you in the darkness. And uh, so that's tonight's message, but it'll be more of a story tonight and a message as well, but you don't want to miss that and really a testimony of what God has done. I also give greetings from my wife and my daughter. And uh, if you remember them, they weren't able to come. My wife is pregnant with, we just found out, our little boy. And so the little boy coming on March 30th. And so pray for that. Pray for the pregnancy for my wife. But she gives her greetings. We were going to plan on her coming, but just uh, did not work out physically as much as it would have. I was just in and out. I'm coming in, came in yesterday, leaving tonight, going back to Chicago. Uh, so, but it is exciting to be here. And a thrill. I, I was telling somebody yesterday that it's almost becoming like a second church home for me, Heritage Baptist Church. And this is the reason I love Heritage Baptist Church. Not only are you, um, you're a soul winning church, that's number one. You, you love the Lord, you honor the Lord, you obey the Lord. This church is out there reaching the community. When I come to this church, there's energy and it's real. I've been to a lot of churches in the last 12 years traveling for our college on the road and, and, and preaching. And there's some churches that are just doing church. Heritage Baptist Church does not do church. You, this, is, this, this is the real deal right here. And I am excited. If you're just a visitor here, uh, get plugged in. Find out what's going on. If you're here and you're a member, but you're kind of just kind of do your thing on Sunday morning, get plugged in even more. Get a part of this church. It is a testimony to this whole country and it's exciting. And your pastor is a blessing to me personally and to many, many others as well. So you're in a great place. And uh, here in California, sunny California. Yes, well, I said that in Sunday school and we laughed as well. But you're from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is, this is balmy today, okay? So you think you have it bad, you have your coats on, you're freezing cold. I'm going back to less than 30 degree weather and snow everywhere. Flying into Chicago and there's 12 inches of snow coming in today, one day. <laughs> so uh, I think you guys got flurries out here. We'd be running for the hills. So that's okay. I understand. I understand. Everybody has to have their suffering, right? <laughs> Ours just comes in the way of snow, so... All right, well, it's a privilege to uh, do this. And I also, I don't normally preach out uh, uh, in churches with brand new messages, okay? Uh, but God has put this, um, these messages on my heart. And so bear with me as I'm working through these uh, in my own soul, uh, what God's doing in my heart and touching my heart. And I'll be honest, what I'm preaching about this morning has been literally on my mind for the last several months, even before Brother Fong asked me to preach. And... Um, so you'll see, and it ties right in. I did not even think about it, but God knew that it ties right in with Thanksgiving a couple days ago, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad day? Anybody ever had a bad day? Come on now. All right, everybody's had a bad day. Life ever taken a wrong turn for you? Uh, you know, all of your best plans, laid plans completely fall apart. Some of you are thinking, uh, how does he know about my morning <laughs> this morning? 
Uh, Sometimes we just have bad days. Nothing in life is going right. Um, you know, I've been known to have quite a few bad days, and actually it became sort of a joke in my, in my family growing up that I was, things wouldn't work out for me. It was called sad stories for me. Um, just, just, seriously, I'm not kidding. I, something would happen, and it always happened bad for me, but not for anybody else. Um, one example, my wife and I, we love to travel, um, and we normally do it for missions trips. We were actually given the opportunity to go to Europe after my friends got married in uh, Ireland, and so we went to mainland Europe, and we, we were traveling around the Alps, and it was a great time, and uh, Lord, to work that out, it was really a, a really neat six days together. We started the day, one of the days, in Switzerland, and we were going to swing, uh, we were heading to Turin, Italy, so we we're going to swing down through France and end up in Turin, Italy for the night, and we were going to see Mount Blanc on the way. It's the largest, I think, the tallest mountain in Europe. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Massive mountain, beautiful. If you ever see pictures of mountains in the Alps, that's one of the main ones you'll see, just, um, just inspiring. I wanted to see Mount Blanc, at least from a distance. I had to see it, get a picture with it, right? I love mountains. We spent a lot of time in Colorado and everything, so we were excited about that. So all the locations are pretty close, so it wasn't going to take that long, but unfortunately, we got started later, and uh, it wasn't my wife's fault. I don't think it was anybody's fault, to be honest. It just kind of happened that way. You know, you're in a different country, and you're tired. Things are getting started later. By the time we actually got to France, it was dark. And uh, we were running out of gas in the middle of the French Alps with no towns. I'm thinking, I have never been in this situation before. I'm in the middle of France, and to be honest, I, wouldn't, I wanted to see Mount Blanc. I'm not, I'm not even sure I could have seen the edge of the road. It was so dark out there, okay? And then to add insult to injury, right, as, as we're getting up to the French border, and I'm just bummed, right? We get to the French border, and I see this sign, and it's the Mount Blanc Tunnel, I had to drive under the mountain I wanted to see all day long. And, to, and more insult to injury, I paid $45 for that toll. $45 for that toll. I think it was like a 10-mile tunnel. But, you know, my best play, laid plans, it was all in order, and it completely fell apart. My wife and I joke about that trip, actually. There was three or four times where everything I planned just completely dissolved and crashed around me. But we had a great time anyways. I heard a story recently about a few seals not Navy SEALs, we're talking about animals here, who had a bad day, okay? This short story about the SEALs uh, said this, the average cost of rehabilitating a SEAL after the Exxon Valdez oil spill in Alaska was $80,000. At a special ceremony, two of the most expensively saved animals were being released back into the wild amid cheers and applause from the onlookers. A minute later, in full view, a killer whale ate them both. Talk about a really bad day, okay? That, that's definitely not the plan you had going for you. You know, this morning, those are humorous stories. But there is a young man in the Bible who not only had one bad day, but his entire life as a young man looked like it was totally and completely turned upside down. If one day, if, if something could go bad, it did. Joseph, the 11th of 12 sons of Jacob, went through hurt, after hardship, after trial, after injustice, after misunderstanding, after attack, after attack, after attack on his life. A life of horrible things humanly. But how does he react? He blesses God. Turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to go to the end of, the, of his story. We'll backtrack through the story this morning as we go along. But Genesis chapter 50, verse number 19. Stand for the reading of the word of God. Verse number 19 We'll read through verse 21. It says this, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? 
But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. This morning I want to preach to you a simple message entitled, God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that you are always good. Lord, you are a good God. You love us. And Lord, you want us to praise you. Lord, you want us to serve you, even through the trials in our life. Lord, help us to have clarity on your will, even this morning, and the plans that you have for our life. Help hearts to be touched. Lord, I pray you would take over. I pray you would take over for what I am saying, take over my words and my heart. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave here changed, closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Joseph, the man who was threatened with death by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery. He was wrongly accused of immorality. He was forgotten in prison. Trusted God each time. You know, Christian, this morning, it doesn't get much worse than what Joseph went through. It would be hard to dream up a novel that would be worse than Joseph's story. If you wrote a story with his circumstances, you probably would be laughed at. It's not even possible what happened. You know, Job, Daniel, Paul, other characters in the Bible, they had incredible hardships and trials as well. And all these people we see and we read about in the Word of God, they could have easily turned away from God. But they chose to trust Him. What about you this morning? How is your life right now? We just came to Thanksgiving, didn't we? Where you, you know, we talk about the food, and the food is great. We all ate too much, right? Had turkey and everything else. And then you have turkey sandwiches for supper. Did anybody do that? Like, you know, and then you have turkey the next day. It's a little overdone. But, you know, turkey's good. So you sleep half the time. It's not like there's something in the turkey that makes you sleep. So you're sleeping the rest of the, the, rest of the weekend. You know, besides the good time we have with the family and the good food we have, were you actually truly able to thank God for each part of your life? Or did you just go through the motions because that's what good Christians do? I don't know most of you here today, but I can guarantee that there are hurting hearts in this room. I can guarantee there are Christians here overwhelmed with discouragement. I can guarantee that there are husbands and wives and children who feel as though life is just too much for them to take. Maybe physical trials, death, grief, relationships gone bad, financial issues, and the list could go on and on. It would be so easy to give up and say, I've had enough. It would be so easy to get mad at God, wouldn't it? I would hope that you're not to that point today. But some of you maybe are just swarmed under with all the trials and the hardships in your life. But remember this. When life doesn't make sense, sense, God's plans are always good. Trust him and respond right in every situation of life. Let me say that again. When life doesn't make sense, remember, God's plans are always good. Trust him and respond right in every situation of life. Do you believe that God is always good? That's really where we have to start. God is always good. And I'm going to look at two key points about God's plan today and then close with what our response should be 
to those plans. Number one today, this morning, the mystery of God's plan for my life. Life just doesn't make sense. The mystery of God's plan for my life. Let me ask you this question. Why is God's plan a mystery for you and for me? Sometimes you look around and you think something's going on. I don't know why this hardship's happening. I don't know why this trial's happening. I don't know why I'm having this relationship issue. I don't know why this financial issue keeps happening over and over again. I don't know why this person had to die and I had to lose this person. Why are these things happening to me? Let me give you a couple of simple answers. Number one, he's God. God's plans are a mystery to us because he is God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Job 36, 26, Behold, God is great, and we know him not, neither can the number of his years be searched out. Romans 11, 33, 34, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? And who hath been his counselor? You know, Christian, anybody who's here, God's ways are above our ways. We don't understand. We can't understand. He's the creator God of the universe. He is God, and, and we are humans. We're, we're finite beings. And unfortunately, you know, one of the biggest reasons we can't see clearly the mystery of the plans that God has for us, the reasons we can't, is we're selfish. As we're going to see in a moment, God does reveal his plans to us. But I think, unfortunately, the biggest hindrance to seeing the plans that God has for our lives is because we're selfish. We can go through our lives and probably see moments, even today, this morning, where we made selfish decisions that blocked God's blessing, that blocked God from being able to reveal his will in our lives. You know, God's plan's a mystery, but maybe the question comes to you why is god's plan so hard for me why is it so hard i mean it doesn't seem like this person's life is so hard it doesn't seem like this person's life is so hard why is god so hard on me well to be honest everyone around you is going through trials and everyone around you has been given tests and everybody around you is is going through something but you know what god does these things for your growth God does these things to make you stronger, but the main reason God does this is to draw you closer to him. Let's look at Joseph's life this morning. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, talk about a mystery. Talk about what in the world is going on. Joseph, a 17-year-old man, young man, a teenager, the 11th of 12 sons. He's a young guy, a lot of older, older brothers. And he's not trying to be a pain. I've seen some commentators talk about the fact that Joseph brought this all on himself. I don't believe so. He's immature. Ever been immature before? We have young people in this room, okay? They're immature, okay? That just happens. My, my, my uncle, who's a preacher, always jokes about, he works with teens, always jokes about the junior hires have half a brain, you know, half the other perhaps not developed yet, okay? Young people just don't think sometimes. That's just life. And here's Joseph, and, he's, and, and, and we're going to look at here in verse number 3. It says, Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Now, that's not Joseph's fault. <laughs> he was loved by his father more than all of his brethren. And he made him a coat. And then verse 4, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. First thing I see about Joseph's life is that he had family rejection. That's a pretty big trial. Some of you in here are facing that. 
Some of you here are facing some kind of family rejection. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But hate from his brothers. They hated him. Can you imagine ten guys, older men, hating you? They hated him. And then Joseph dreams a dream. And he tells his brethren, verse number uh, 5, and they hated him yet the more. And he tells the dream to them about them bowing down to them. It was, a, it was a vision that God had given to him, what was going to happen in the future. And he tells his brethren, maybe he should have told them, maybe he should have told them. God knew all of that, though. And, and then in verse number 8, his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Wow. There's a lot of hate right now in his family. And he dreamed another dream. And he told, and he, and he told his, his brethren that. His father even rebuked him in verse number 10. In verse number 11, his brethren envied him. Interesting to think that his father observed the saying. He's thinking about it. But his brethren were upset with them. Family rejection. Let me stop here and say, some of you here maybe have been taken away from your family. Maybe some of you here are saved and the rest of your family is not. Maybe you're outcast in your family. Maybe the things that have been said by mother or father or siblings is hurtful. Maybe you're a mother or a father and your kids have rejected you. That's not easy. I grew up in a home, you've heard my father preach here at this church. I grew up in a home with a man who lived for God, who walked with God. So I, I was very privileged, didn't have that kind of family rejection. But I've watched so many people growing up in my church who have hardships in their life, family rejected them. Maybe that's you here today. What's your response? Do you believe that God is always good? Maybe you're asking, why? Why does this have to happen? That the son, the daughter that I raised, that I put my life into is turned away from me. That's a true hurt. It's a true, it's a true trial. But God is always good. We're going to see this in a moment. Physical hurt. A threat of death and he was thrown into a pit. Genesis 37 and verses 17 through 24. We won't read the whole story. We'll just tell the story here. But we know what happens. Joseph went after his brethren. He found them that they were out. And they saw him afar off. In verse number 18 they say, it says this, they conspired against him to slay him. Can you imagine being in a family like that? Your brothers are conspiring to kill you. And they said to one another, verse number 19, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And they're going to kill him. And Reuben, in verse number 22, says, No, 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 no. Shed no blood. At least the big brothers had at least a little bit of sense. And he said, No, no, no. Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness. Lay no hand against him. Okay? So don't, don't do that, okay? But throw him in the pit. So a little bit of mercy from Reuben. At least they didn't kill him. They put him in this pit. And they took his coat off. And it was just awful. There was no water in the pit. It was just an awful, it was an awful pit. I mean, out in the desert, I don't know what all exactly it was, but it was just an awful pit. And he's secluded from his brethren. He's probably hurt, bruised. They took that coat off him. It probably wasn't the greatest uh, thing that happened. Maybe some of you here have been abused at the hands of somebody. I can't understand that. Most of us can't either. Horrible, horrible trials. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in or something that you're a part of right now where you're uh, verbally abused or some horrible trials happening to you as we speak in these days in your workplace and your family and some relationship and there's hurt that happens all the time god's always good god is always good 
He also experienced total humiliation. Chapter 37, verses 27 and 28. Here come the Ishmaelites. And they sell their brother to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. Can you imagine? Total humiliation. I mean, absolute, final humiliation. Your brothers hate you. They want to kill you. But they sell you into a life. You lose everything. You lose your name. I mean, everything was over at this point, right? Can you imagine? Everything was over. It took Joseph into Egypt, which was the center of the world at that time. Slandered character. He was accused of immorality by Potiphar's wife. Chapter 39, turn with me there. Chapter 39, we're just taking a little uh, flight over these verses. Verses 11 to 20, we won't go through this as well, but we know the story. Joseph's going about his business. And there was nobody there. None of the men in the house were there. And Potiphar's wife probably had her eye on him for a while. She was a wicked lady. And she caught his garment, verse number 12, and said, lie with me. And I love what it says next. Immediately, and he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. He didn't even stay to say something to her. He just got out of there. What happens? Because he obeyed God, and let, he, she grabbed the, he, just got, he didn't even rip the garment away, he just got out of there. She had that garment as quote-unquote proof and accused him of going after her. She was put in prison. Can you imagine? The verse number 20, Joseph's master took him and put him to prison, the place where the king's prisoner were bound. He was there in the prison. I, I'm hated by my brothers. All these things happen. I'm in prison. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I obeyed you, God. I'm trying to live my life for you, God. You know, we don't see those things, by the way, in Joseph's life. Did you ever notice that there's none of that in the Bible? You know, God chooses to put thoughts and words of characters in the Bible in there. It's very interesting that all we see about Joseph is good. And let me say this, and this is something I'm going to bring up again, but I'm going to hit it twice. Joseph could not have run from the immorality if he had been bitter against the trial. If he, if he was bitter against his brothers, if he was bitter against his uh, family, if he was mad at God for what he had done and letting him be sold to slavery, if Joseph was bitter and discouraged about the trials in his life, he would have never run from Potiphar's wife. So why do we keep going down in sin and keep hitting the ground? And why do we keep crashing? Because we've allowed ourselves to get discouraged in our life and bitter against God. We open ourselves up to the attacks. By the way, the attacks are going to come. Did you know that? Christians, the attacks are going to come. We're in a battle. This is, no, uh, this is not a, a child's game. We're in warfare out there. The attacks are coming. And the problem is we're opening ourselves up to the Potiphar's wife surround us. And we're going down. He had slandered character. That's pretty harsh. Maybe some of you in here, slandered character. You know, a good name is rather to be chosen. The Bible talks about that. Maybe somebody in your workplace has talked about you falsely and made you look horrible for no, no reason at all. And maybe you're in a prison of life, so to speak. Maybe you're not in real prison, but you're in a prison of life. I know of stories I could give today of people who were unjustly framed for a murder or for a, of some kind of sin and some kind of uh, against the law, breaking the law, and they're put in prison for years, 20, 30 years, and they got out because some DNA test set them free. And they, were, and they, and they, were, they, they, weren't, they weren't the wrongdoers. And maybe you're here and you're saying, but they talked about me and they've ruined my name. It's a trial. God's always good. 
Complete abandonment. Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40. He, he's, he's forgotten by the butler in prison. Here's the, here's the butler, and he, and he gives him his dream in verses uh, 14, uh, and before 14. And then verse 14, he says, But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, and make mention of me to Pharaoh. Bring me out of his house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of Hebrews, and here have done nothing wrong. I have done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Genesis 40, 23 says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget. I mean, again, if it could go wrong, it went wrong. It just happened to Joseph. And, and kind of, I, I was joked about growing up. I was just, my sad stories. In a serious way, he just had all kinds of bad days in a row. Nothing went right for Joseph. All of it was in God's plan. We'll talk about that. But you know, there's some illustrations I want to give just to get our, our minds thinking. Some people, either in history or even present day, that have had some really bad things happen to them. How many of you know the story of Corey Ten Boom? I mean, you know the story of Corey Ten Boom? Um, and it's a pretty amazing story how she and her family sent to the, uh, sent to the concentration camp in Ravensbrück. There's a famous story, which many of you probably have heard, about Corey Ten Boom. She was, they helped Jews out because of that they were taken away. But um, it's from the story of the hiding place. It's called Betsy and the Fleas. Betsy, I'm not going to read the story, but Betsy and uh, Corey were in Ravensbrück. And they got there, and she's laying there. All of a sudden, she was bit by something, and she sat up, and what is this? And she found out it's a flea on her, on her leg. And not only are they in Ravensbrook, a Nazi concentration camp, which was certain death. Okay, it's amazing that, they lived, that Corey lived through that. Uh, it wasn't just that. I mean, they had to have in their, in their bunks infested with fleas. Painful, painful fleas. We're going to talk about this in a moment, but Betsy makes Corey thank God for the fleas. But I tell you what, that's not a fun thing. You're already literally looking in the face of certain death. And then this happens? Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, a man who gave his life to God, goes to Ecuador and dies. Almost months into his time, dies at the hands of the Aka Indians. And they go, what in the world? Just, I don't know if you were told about it, if you read on the news, but uh, missionary Charles Wesco. Did you hear about that? Charles Wesco. He's actually my, uh, Jesse Williams. He's saying the duet with my, my sister. He's my brother-in-law. He came here a couple of months ago. That's, that's his nephew-in-law. Um, so there's close family connection. He was murdered. Shot. Unbelievable. Two weeks into giving his life. Eight children. No daddy. Doesn't make any sense. Serving God. God, what in the world? Why is this happening to me? Your plan seems so hard for my life. God's plans are mysterious sometimes. But I want to see here the revelation of God's plan for my life. Number two, the revelation of God's plan for my life. We've seen the mystery of God's plan. Now I want to see the revelation of God's plan. There will be a time, Christian that God will reveal to you the mystery of the plans, of his plans for your life. Genesis chapter 41, God did this for Joseph. And this is great. I think this is incredible. This is where we really want to start moving in here and, and learning here from what God has in this story. Verse, chapter 41, verse number 9, 
after Pharaoh dreams, and there's a lot in this story we could talk about, but Joseph, you could preach weeks on Joseph. But he, preach, he, he gets this uh, dream about all the cattle and the, the ones that aren't fed well and the ones that are and the ones that are eating the other ones. And, and he's confused about it. And in verse number 9, the chief butler said to Pharaoh, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with the servants, put me in the ward, for his kept in the guard's health, both me and the chief baker. We dreamed a dream. One night I and he, we dreamed each man according to the temptation of his dream. And there was with us a young man, a Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. And to each man according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored into mine office, and he he hanged. At this time, the perfect time, that God had put in place, God's will was revealed to Joseph. It wasn't all revealed at once, but the first part was peeled off. And Joseph was brought out of prison, and he, and he was brought to, uh, uh, to, to, to Pharaoh. They, they got him, they shaved him, and changed his raiment. They got him all looking nice. This is Pharaoh, basically a god to Egyptians. And he's brought there, verse number 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, thou, thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. By the way, Joseph's focus is still right when he comes out of prison. God, perfect time, the perfect way, at the perfect time in Pharaoh's life, got Joseph out. Because, guess, get this. If he would have been remembered right away by the butler, it would have just probably been a release from prison. And who knows where he would have gone. But God on purpose left Joseph in that prison for a much longer time. Why? Because at the exact right time, the butler was able to say to the Pharaoh, after his dream, this guy can interpret dreams. And there he was, ready for that. God had it all planned. God had everything planned. Let me say a couple of points here on this. Number one, God's plan is perfect because he knows the future. We can only see what's in front of us. We can only see the steps that we take. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts or the plans that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. The Creator God knows what is coming. We may see our present circumstances and be overwhelmed. Are you ever overwhelmed? I am. Think life is not worth living? Oh, I can't go on. This is too hard. But God knows what's coming. God knows exactly why those trials are in your life. Think about this. This is incredible. God's plan for Joseph included some incredible hands-on training for leadership. He led in Potiphar's house, and he led in prison. Why? To prepare him for what the Pharaoh was about to do. After he gives this interpretation... After he does this, and, 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 and Joseph says in verse 33, let Pharaoh look over out a man discreet and wise, set him over the land of Egypt, and let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers, and all this what he's talking about. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, verse 38, said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Another testimony of what God's doing in Joseph's life. God is always good, and Joseph believes it. Verse number 39, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God has shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater 
that now, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. I know we know the story, but that's incredible. I know we as Christians, oh, okay, great story. No, no, that's amazing. He went from prison. He went from rotting in a prison cell to leading the entire empire of Egypt. Pharaoh was basically looked at as a god. Joseph was in command of the country. That's incredible. A believer in God, and Pharaoh says it. By the way, this looks just like Daniel. Just a, you know, later in the Bible there, we see when Daniel goes through trial after trial, and what happens? He trusts God, he believes God. Nothing bad is said about Daniel either in the Bible. And where does God put him? He doesn't get discouraged. He doesn't react. And neither one of these guys, and both of them rule empires. Some of the most powerful empires in the world ever were ruled by God's choice servants. That is incredible. And God wants to bring you from the prison cell of that trial, so to speak, to great blessing. But you have to respond right. Remember, God's plan is perfect because he knows the future. Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Joseph himself says this. Look at me, please, in Genesis chapter 45. We're skipping past his brothers coming right now. We know the story, but Joseph, 40, uh, Joseph says in chapter 45, verse number 5, Now therefore, be not grieved, he's speaking to his brothers, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Verse number 8, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. God knew what he was doing. And our main verse in chapter 50, God did this. It is God who was in control. God was the one. He meant it for good. It's incredible where Joseph is able to say that. God knew the famine was coming. God knew that Jacob and his family would need all the food that they needed. God allowed these things to happen to Joseph in the particular order they happened and the way they happened. Why? To hurt Joseph? No. To put Joseph, his choice servant, in the exact spot in the world, literally, that he could help his family. I mean, it's unbelievable. God knows the future in your life. Christian, he's putting everything together for a reason. You might say, but you, Brother Van Gelen, you have no idea what I'm going through in my life right now. You have no idea the hardships that I have. It does not seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It is unbelievable how everything is going wrong in my life right now. God is always good. And God knows. And God is either allowed that to happen or he's putting it in your life for a reason to guide you to the point like Joseph was to use you in a mighty way to change lives. Do you want to be used to change lives? Do you want your life to count for something? Joseph had a dream as a 17-year-old boy who he had a dream, he had a vision, and he was an excited young man. And then right after that vision, trial, 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 he could have gotten discouraged. He could have gotten thrown. He could have gotten just absolutely just, just disillusioned, but he didn't. God's plan is perfect because he knows the future. God's plan is also perfect because God loves me. I need an amen on that from everybody. You believe that? God loves you. If you're a Christian here this morning, he loves you so much that he came down and died for you. John 3, 16, this is the best 
area of love that we were shown, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me stop right here. If some of you in this room are saying, I'm going through hardship, but I don't know what you're talking about with God, because that's not even close to my mind. Maybe some of you need to understand the true love of a Savior named Jesus Christ. If you're here this, this morning and you have never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, search one of us out to, after the service and, and come forward in the invitation. Talk to one of us. We'd love to share with you the true love of God. Oswald Chambers says this, Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I'm visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. doesn't matter how hard things are. It doesn't matter how crazy things are in life and how many trials are happening. God is love. God is always good. There's so many verses. Let me read some of these about God's love. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have, have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies, his love, that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. First John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord hath appointed of old, uh, appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Psalm 86, 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth, he loveth, you. Romans 8, 38, 39, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is far beyond anything we can imagine, and his plan is perfect because of that. I stopped those stories that I was telling on purpose. Corey Tenboom in Raven's book, camp. Awful. Awful, that's what they were going through. And, and they were beaten, they were starved. And one of the things that, unfortunately, Christians in any concentration camp, whether Nazi or Soviet or whatever else, uh, Japanese, and they're trying to worship the Lord was almost impossible. And so they were, this happened, they were in a concentration camp, they were just going through so much, and Corey was just, you know, What's going on? I'm not going to thank the Lord for fleas. I mean, she just looked at her, her sister and said, there's no way. And uh, so she's thanking the Lord. And she basically says, and then she says this to her sister, the fleas. She goes, this is too much. Betsy, there is no way God can make me grateful for a flea. And her sister said, give thanks in all circumstances. Okay. Well, then couple down the story a little bit to skip for time's sake. She says this. Her sister, Corey says to her sister, you're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself. And Betsy says, you know, we've never understood why we've had so much freedom in the big room. This is where to worship God. They will worship God. Nobody ever, ever came and disturbed them. Never. She says, I have found out. She said, this afternoon, there'd be some, there was some confusion about sock sizes in the knitting group, whatever, some small things in their concentration camp. And they asked the supervisor to come and settle it. But she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And you know why? Fleas. The supervisor said, that place is crawling with fleas. And Corey says this, my mind rushed back to our first hour in this place. I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembered her thanks to God for creatures I could see no use for. Fleas. 
Christians, you're in some horrible circumstances and then the fleas come. God's doing it for a purpose. He allowed those young ladies and their Christian friends to be able to worship God freely because of fleas. God does things on purpose. God is always good. God's plans are always good. Talked about Jim Elliott and the Aka Indians. Many of you know the story. Jim Elliott and his friends, Nate Saint, all those other ones, they flew down there to the, to the Aka Indians to reach an un, uh, 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 unreached people group. They were slaughtered. What a waste. What, a, what in the world is going on? No, that tribe was reached. God reached that tribe because of that killing. People were saved. Churches were started in the Aka Indians. Just a few months ago, our assistant pastor, Pastor Mark Gilmore, traveled to Ecuador and met one of Jim Elliott's killers. There's a picture of him on my phone. i got to find it if somebody wants to see it. Unbelievable to see this very old man smiling from ear to ear, a Christian. Loves the Lord. God used the untimely death of a missionary like that to reach an entire people group. And even just a few months, a month ago, missionary Charles Wesco killed there for two weeks. Eight children, no daddy, a wife without a husband. A son yanked out of a family, just an awful humanly. You think, what in the world? All of the missionaries had to evacuate. They're all at our church on this Wednesday. They're all meeting. A lot of them are from our, um, our college graduates. Some of my closer friends are there. Uh, it's just a really, really tough time. They had to leave. They heard gunshots every night a quarter mile away. I mean, just very tough stuff. And they were pulled away. You think, why in the world, God, does this happen? God reveals his will. There's already been multitudes of people saved because of his death around the world. People in as far away as Argentina got saved when they heard the story of his death. One of his close, closest relatives in, that, in their family, in that family, got saved. And they've been praying for them for decades to get saved. God did that. Even in the midst of the most incredibly huge trial that I still can't wrap my mind around thinking about it. God is doing great things. He's revealing his will. So what should our response be? And we're done. Number three, the acceptance of God's plan for my life. The acceptance of God's plan for my life. Number one, how do we respond to God's plan? Number one, reject bitterness and discouragement. Reject bitterness and discouragement. I saw something online here. Trials and difficulties reveal our true character. It's like squeezing a tube of toothpaste. What is really on the inside will eventually ooze out. The greater the pressure, the greater the oozing. Some of you, you're under a lot of stress, trials, financial, relationship, whatever it might be. Maybe somebody's died. I don't know what it might be. And inside, if you're trusting God, and you're walking with God, what's coming out is a peace. You ever been around people that have peace through the trials? Sometimes it's irritating, isn't it? Because you're going through a trial that's half as bad, and you're mad. And that person's happy and joyful. <laughs> well, it's what's, in, what's, what's on the inside. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Some of you here react. Somebody says something about what's going on in your life, and you react. You don't understand. It's not fair. If you've ever questioned God, if you've ever pushed back on God and got angry or upset, that is, uh, that, that, that's bitterness, or it's trending towards bitterness. 
this morning, reject bitterness and discouragement. You know, sometimes some things are discouraging. That's a natural human response. But if you live in the discouragement and you dwell in the discouragement, you're going to end up with depression and end up with bitterness. Joseph rejected bitterness and discouragement. And there's several ways we know this. Number one, we already talked about it, but I said I wanted to say about it twice. He stood strong against temptation. Joseph could have never run from temptation if he would have been overwhelmed with bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15, and 16 speaks of what happens to a bitter man. They turn into a profane man or into a fornicator. And many people are defiled by the bitterness. Joseph, no. His life was pure before God. God was with Joseph. Verse number, uh, chapter 39, please. Look at chapter 39. Genesis 39. Verses 2 and 3. He's brought to Potiphar's house, Ishmaelites. And it says this, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. That's, un, that's just an unreal thought to think of an unsaved man like him that sees that. Verse number 21 and 22. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And the keeper gives Joseph the hand of all the things that happened in the prison. Joseph is a man where God's with him. And people see that. We saw with Pharaoh. He said, there's nobody like this where the Spirit of God is. This is a, it's an amazing thing. This man walked with God. It was seen by unsaved, ungodly people. He rejected bitterness. And that's what happens. He rejected bitterness, and we know that because his compassion and love to his family. In chapter 45, and I won't go through the whole passage, but in verses 2 through 15, as he talks to his family, he weeps. He's compassionate towards them. He doesn't react. He doesn't lash. Yes, he tested them to make sure that they were where they were at. But he loved them. He showed them the greatest uh, reverence. He showed them love. He cried. He sobbed about his family, the ones who did the worst hurt to him, the ones who pushed him away, the ones who hated him, the ones who uh, wanted to kill him. Open hearts, open hands to his family. No bitterness. At the end there in chapter 50, we talked about, right away when we read those verses, in verse number 21 it says, he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. That's not a bitter man. <laughs> that's, that's the tone of a man who rejects bitterness and discouragement, and number two, choose thank, chooses thankfulness and joy. If you want to respond right to trials, choose thankfulness and joy. And I'll tell you right, right now, this point has been the biggest point on my heart and my thoughts the last few months. How often, when something comes, do you get upset? Or even in your spirit, you just get annoyed at a problem in your life? Okay, I'm going to give a humorous illustration. How many of you ever stubbed your toe? How many of you ever stubbed your pinky toe? Doesn't that hurt? You know what I'm talking about? On, the, on a really sharp edge of a doorway. Bam, I mean full speed. How many of you here go, oh, that feels great. Wow, amazing. Just rejoicing right now. Don't think so, right? Most of you here going, ah, man, that hurts. And you're hobbling around, grabbing your foot, you know, as your wife laughs at you, right? And your kids, my, my daughter, I hit, I hit my toe one time. My daughter thinks it's the funniest thing when I'm yelping at my, you know, my pain. Okay? It's not our first reaction when pain hurt hits us to just go, wow, that feels great. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for hitting me. Thank you for, you know, that's not a reaction. That's not the human reaction. But I'll tell you what, when the trials come, 
That's what God wants us to do. There was an illustration of one of Napoleon's generals. He suddenly appeared with 18,000 men before an Austrian town, which had no means of defense. The town council had nearly decided to surrender when the old leader of the church reminded them it was Easter and begged them to hold services as usual and to leave the trouble in God's hands. This they did, and the French, hearing the church bells ringing joyfully, concluded that an Austrian army had come to relieve the place and quickly broke camp. Before the bells ceased ringing, all the Frenchmen had vanished. The trials vanish when joy and thankfulness come. I'm not saying they go away, but it's not the thing on your mind. I know some of the most joyful, thankful people that I know are living in the hardest trials. My Aunt Joy, my dad's younger sister, she's passed away now. She died in 2009, I believe. She had the worst cancer for I don't even know how many years. She was a pastor's wife. Her name I've never known somebody named so well. Her name was Joy. My Aunt Joy literally reflected Christ everywhere she went. She was the happiest lady I've ever known. All the time. The worst trial. She was in so much pain she could hardly walk. She had uh, started with breast cancer, then it went to her whole body. I mean, it was just everywhere. It was awful, and it was painful. It was horrible. Every sur- all these surgeries, it was just all these treatments. The biggest smile on her face all the time. She visited me. I had uh, shoulder surgery. Well, I was jaw surgery. I had two surgeries. I was jaw surgery in 2009. Just months before she died, she visited me in my room upstairs and encouraged me as she's dying inside. What about you? You know, your dog dies. And that's a big deal for some people. I understand. I'm not trying to make a joke. Like, but your dog dies, and literally your whole life turns upside down, and you're mad at the world. Somebody loses, you know, loses a family member. Somebody's life is completely wrecked. Somebody's, you know, and they're looking at you going, thank you. They're looking, you're, they're, they're looking at people and saying, the Lord is so good. Oh, the Lord is so good. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't mean that there's not hurt inside. It doesn't mean that discouragement can't come. But it means they're being thankful. The first response, the greatest weapon we have in every trial and hardship is thankfulness. James 1, very famous passage. We know this. My brethren, count it all joy. All joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, various trials, knowing this, the trial of your faith work is patience, and you go on. You know what's going to happen, but joy, that's the first thing. When trials come, joy. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things. That doesn't leave any room for anything, does it? Giving thanks for all things. Always. 1 Thessalonians 5, and everything give thanks. 1 Peter 1, 6-9 talks about the, the trial of your faith and, and the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, but be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. We just heard about this today. 1 Corinthians 15, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Brother Van Gelderen, I can't thank God in this problem. You do not have a clue. You have no idea what I'm going through. And I'm not just saying that. It is hard. I just lost a loved one. I've been abused in my life. And the list to go on. Let me give you some reasons why you should rejoice in any trial. You're saved. You have eternal life. 
God hears your prayers, and he answers them. You have a living Savior. You are loved unconditionally. You receive blessings from God. God takes care of your needs. You have a church that cares for you. You have a pastor who has compassion for you and your loved ones. And the list could go on and on and on. I was sitting in my living room a few, days, uh, few weeks ago, discouraged. Perfectly honest, I was discouraged. And I was looking around me as I was talking to my wife. We were actually both discouraged and just some overwhelming things that were happening. And I remember just looking around me and starting to thank the Lord for the objects in the room that he had given to us, practically. This chair, this couch, that picture, that... By the time I got done, practically thanking God for the things in the house, I didn't think of the trial anymore. Just the practical things. This is not a big trial at all. This is just a little test God gave me, but a few weeks ago... The election happened, and Governor Walker of Wisconsin lost. He's a personal friend of mine, and uh, he's a Christian, loves the Lord, and we always go to the governor's mansion every Christmas time and do two concerts, and it's a great time for our kids, and we're going in a couple weeks for the last one now. I'll tell you what, it was devastating for us. Now, it's not, it's not a real trial. It didn't affect our lives that much, but I'll just be honest. It was, it was, it was really, really sad. But I remember where I was in my room, I was standing there, and God said, you really gonna not, you're not going to thank me for all that I've given you the last eight years with this governor? I, it was like as clear as day. You're not going to thank me? Like, you selfish little man. <laughs> That's what I was. So I said, thank you, God. I just stopped. I went with my wife and my daughter. We brought them together. I just said, we're going to pray, and we're going to thank God. Because I usually could have gotten down and just really discouraged and upset for the rest of the day. Like, nah, you lost. And, you know, sometimes I'm a poor loser. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, come on. But I said, thank you, God. And the minute I said thank you and truly put thankfulness towards God for this, not that hard of a situation, but you know what I'm saying, it literally just joy flooded my soul immediately. Boom. And yeah, it was tough. And yeah, it's hard even now to think about it. But you know what? Much easier because God's going to work in my heart immediately. I'm telling you, Christian, I don't care how hard the trial is. Thank God through the trial right away. Thank God for what he has done and what he wants to do. And then lastly here, we'll be done. And this is the most important. Trust God's goodness. Trust God's goodness. Chapter 50, back to our main passage, chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Everything went wrong, but God was in control. Joseph cho chose to trust the goodness of his God. You know, God has your best in mind. Every situation, every trial. Each one, every single one of the trials happens because it's allowed to happen by God. He wants to draw us closer to him. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to be the mouthpiece of his good news to this world. But sometimes trials have to come to bring us closer to him. And we have to trust the goodness of our God. Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Psalm 84, 11, The Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. James 1, 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Psalm 145, 9, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. 
Do you believe that God is your best in mind? Do you believe that God is always good? Let me read you a poem that actually my sister wrote about Joseph. It's a little bit longer poem, but I think it actually sums this up very, very well. Listen very carefully. As on that lonely path I walked with weary, dusty feet, a painful cry suppressed within my heart, longed to retreat. But no, in ropes I, I walked forth bound, my future now unknown, and to this land I did not know I walked that path alone. Oh, all the crowd was thick with merchants, slaves, and wares, yet all alone I walked this path with none to share my cares. They did this evil unto me. They put me on this path. The ones that here on earth I loved outpoured their cruel wrath. In mockery, the desert sun beat hard upon the land, reflecting visions of my dreams, mirages in the sand. And from cracked lips, my cry arose, directed to the sky. These dreams from you shall wither here. Of thirst, my soul shall die. With every labored step I took, my wounded soul grew numb. Life as I knew, a fading mist, fate's slave I'd now become. But as I walked, the love of God upon my path did shine. And his own loving, tender voice spoke to this heart of mine. Oh, Joseph, do not fear this path that I have made for you. The promises I've given you, doubt not, they shall come true. At these great words I paused, confused. I could not understand how this path caused by hateful strife was formed of God's own hand. Then whistling through my wandering thoughts, the driver's whip did crack and pushed me forward on the path, pain searing through my back. Now violently my thoughts swirled round and dust as dust on traveled trail. But then God's voice like calming wind dispelled the hazy veil. Look not behind, O weary one, at hurt which brought you here. Nor look, though down upon the path, this present trial to fear. But only look ahead in faith and trust I am your God. Hold tight the dreams I've given you. Look upward as you plod. Now from this view, the path I see, the journey understood, that they thought evil unto me, but God meant it for good. Christian, what about you? Does God mean it for good? In his word, we know he does. But you have to put it in your heart. You have to voice it. You have to thank God. I don't know why God put this particular message on my heart for this morning. But he did. I don't know why God directed me with this particular way of preaching it, but he did. There are people in this room you might have smiled this morning. You might have fellowshiped and no one knew something was going on. But deep inside, in the dark recesses of your heart, the hurt, the darkness is overwhelming. And Christian, it's time to say God's in control. God is always good. Let me close with this verse and a quick story. As for God, his way is perfect. Psalm 18:30. Do you believe that? As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler or a shield to all that trust in him. For who is God, save the Lord? Or who is a rock, save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. I think you know the story of a man named Horatio G. Spafford. Successful lawyer, businessman. 
and a family, wife, and four daughters. They had gone through tragedy in their life, and I won't go through what they went through, but he, he was a, a businessman, so his business flourished, and he lost a lot in the, in the Chicago fire, but he, his business flourished. In 1973, on November 21st, he sent his wife and four daughters ahead on a French ocean liner to go to Europe. There were 313 passengers on board. Mr. Spafford stayed home in Chicago for a few more days. He had some business issues to take care of. His plan was to take another ship a few days after and follow after. Well, about four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, this French passenger ship smashed into a Scottish ship, an iron-hulled ship, and all of the people on board were in danger of dying. The wife, Anna Spafford, brought the four girls together, and they prayed. And they prayed to God that he would spare them if it was their will, if his will. Twelve minutes later, the ship sank, carrying 226 of the passengers, including four, the four Spafford girls. A sailor who was rowing out there saw a lady clinging to a piece of wreckage. It was Anna Spafford. She was still alive. She was pulled up into a boat. Nine days later, they pulled into Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband, and she said this, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford came a few days later, but one of the, one of the uh, survivors, a pastor, recalled Anna Spafford saying this, God gave me four daughters. Now they've been taken away from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford, he books passage on the next one available, and he got in there, and about four days out, the captain called him, to his cabin and said, we're now over the spot where your children died. I'm going to stop the story right now and just say this. I have one little girl who I love dearly, and I cannot imagine losing her. But to lose four in one time is an unbelievable tragedy. But according to a daughter who was born after the tragedy, it was on that trip that Horatio G. Spafford wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. God's plans are always good. Have you settled that in your own heart this morning? Is it well with your soul? Let's pray.